This podcast is sponsored by Aurora Packaging Solutions, a global packaging solutions provider leading the transition to a more sustainably packaged future. They specialize in developing packaging and visual communication solutions that reduce the impact on the environment and bring sustainability goals to life. With a focus on partnership and service, they create a custom solution for your business. To learn more, please visit www.orapackaging.com. Welcome to Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors. I'm very excited about my guest today. Her name is Melanie Larkins, and she is a sustainability product manager. Hi, Melanie. How are you? Hi, Corey. I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for taking some time for us today. You have several jobs and uh, a very diverse amount of really impressive titles. So I'd like to kind of touch on each of them as, as we go through the show. I think you can add a lot of value to the audience here. But I'd like to start with your background, kind of how you ended up where you are now, and then go into the the Hughes skincare products that you, that company that you run. Cool. Thanks, Corey. So I think my journey with sustainability has been a really interesting one. And I would say I really got started back in high school. I took this AP environmental science class because I needed to take an AP or something. And I was like, I'm just going to try that and see how it goes. Because I, ta- I had taken as much chemistry as I possibly could. And so I had to try something <laughs> new. So I said, okay, I'll try that. And, you know, we're out there with the soil and testing water and doing all of these like very interesting earthy things, science things. And I really liked it. Okay. So after high school, I did not think I would continue and environmental things exactly. But a couple of things happened. First, I went to this amazing island in the middle of nowhere in Canada, in British Columbia. And I spent most of the summer there with my friend and her family that have that have this amazing like eco-resort type of village thing there with cob houses, um, totally off the grid, organic farm. Everyone would like help out. And it was really like changed everything. I had an apple off the tree for the first time, harvested like all these cool things. We had to move, you know, composting toilets. And this is, you know, 25 years ago <laughs> before they wow. were as nice wow. as they are now. And it was like amazing. And the water was so clean. The air was so clean. You could see so many stars at night. And it, it was like, really started sparking more of an interest, I think, in wanting to go deeper into understanding how this all functions together. I had done camping trips in the past, but this was like something very different. Then I wanted to study abroad in college, which people probably think, what does that have to do at all with sustainability? But here's the thing is that at UC Berkeley, at least back then, you had to pick a major before you could study abroad. And I was undeclared until, you know, halfway through my sophomore year. And I thought, okay, I've got to pick something. So I t- I was taking different classes. I tried nutrition. I said, no, I tried poli-sci, political science. No, all of the sciences were impacted. So you had like a thousand people in a lecture hall. And I said, no, I don't want that. But I took this class on global development. And this teacher forever changed like the path of my whole life. I was just taking it to try to figure out a major to go to Spain. (laughs) (laughs) And now 20 years later, this is what I am doing. Yeah, I started learning about the World Bank and global development and, you know, farming in Kenya or just so many different things that I didn't even think about. And it being in Berkeley, especially really impacted how I 
how I understood my choices making a difference on the world. So understanding that the clothes that I buy can affect someone else's life if they're using labor that's not not positive or the fact that I'm eating certain things can disrupt someone else's life a half a world away. So that's kind of led me on this path and I've done different things. You know, I was at like an eco magazine back in the day and done a lot of different aspects. And now I've been in the corporate world with sustainability for the last 10 years, more or less. And then, yeah, just launched the skincare line. So yeah, it's just kind of been this growing and expanding over the last, let's say 20 plus years of my life. And the industry itself has changed a lot, which is interesting and exciting. I totally agree. It seems to be changing every day. And absolutely important to talk about how our backgrounds and our experiences and the things we've tried and things that we failed at and the things that have been successful lead us to where we are with sustainability. You know, some people I talk to don't really know much about it. Some people like us are totally fanatics and want to make a huge difference in the world. So well done. And it sounds like you've got that right background. Can you speak to your uh, skincare line? It's called Hughes. Is that right? Yeah. So, so I have a larger company called Breathe to Dream, and then Hughes is the actual skincare line. So it stands for Human Under Every Skin Hughes. Oh, I love Um, that. Me too. Thank you. (laughs) I was like, oh, that's sweet. And the idea was kind of born out of. I, you know, I was pregnant back in 2017, and I lived in Chattanooga at the time, and I had never dealt with skin issues. And I was so itchy all the time during the winter. It was driving me nuts. And I eventually moved to California. I was having the same issue. And I found one product that finally worked, but it had like certain things that I didn't really like. And so I started on this journey to try to figure out how they made what they made and like reverse engineer it. Yeah, it was cool because theirs was super expensive and I didn't want to keep paying for it either. So I said, I'm going to figure this out. So I did, but along the way, I found that there were other things I wanted to include include or not include or different sources. So yeah, so now I've made this really cool product and I've gotten really good feedback about it from people dealing with things, even like eczema or just dry skin in general. And I just, it's the only thing I use now, but I, I really took a long time to make sure that the ingredients that I use are organic, fair trade. And then the packaging (laughs) <laughs> the packaging has been the the most exciting achievement for, for me, which is why I'm glad we are having this conversation. I love it. I did not care that much about packaging. I don't think before this process, just kind of like, okay, there's cardboard. There are these, you know, I didn't really understand the depth and the variety and all of the ins and out. I had no idea. And it's so fascinating. There are so many options and, but it took forever It took me a solid year to find packaging that I could use for the shipping, the wrapping and packaging of the actual product that was sustainable. I have to make sure I'm using dark colored glass because the oils and butters, you want to keep them Uh, stable. That's problematic. (laughs) So I had to make sure, yeah, the UV light would hurt them or degrade them quickly. And then making sure I could find that that also had a sustainable top that wasn't plastic. 
that was consistent, that may not be coming from super far away. Domestically in the U.S., we're not making as much glass as we used to. There are only a few facilities now where you can even buy colored glass. And so it's, I've learned a lot in the last, the last year. It's a journey. And that's why yeah. uh, so many people will, will give up. They'll say, oh, forget it. Just give me the darn unrecyclable whatever and i just you know i need to get my product out you know so kudos to you for sticking it sticking it out and really identifying a sustainable packaging option good job thanks so it's a it's a it's a dark glass like a green or a blue yeah well now i'm using more of an amber colored i started with blue i shifted to a green one but the one where i could find a supplier that could give the glass jars as well as a metal lid that worked that wasn't painted so now yeah it's <laughs> every single piece of the packaging you have to it's so so interesting and i was really frustrated at some point i will yeah but i'm, I'm proud now I've I've received a lot of calls like like that over the years of oh I'm so tired of this oh I'm so frustrated what do I do now how do I get through this issue and that's one of my favorite parts is being able to solve a, a, a frustration overcome a challenge for for a customer so that's that's really cool that you did it all on your own well done yeah it took a lot of research. I'm a researcher by nature. So it, I'm probably similar to you. If there's a problem, I'm just even more kind of motivated to find the solution. I probably would have given up on the product if I hadn't had that challenge. <laughs> that now, that I, now that I've been able to overcome it, I'm like, okay, I've got to keep going now, you know? Well, with your scientific background, that really helps a lot, right? You you kind of use that method and, and solve issues. That's That's great. Hadn't thought about that, but yeah, yeah, it's probably probably very impactful. So, talk to us about sustainable packaging. Can can packaging be sustainable? Can we can we get through this issue with uh, bad packaging? Whew. I mean, I think that packaging can be sustainable. I think though that a lot of packaging that's marketed as quote unquote sustainable isn't necessarily so. Like I see a lot of, for example, compostable things, mm -hmm. which is great. I really love seeing that. And when you look at the fine print, you have to take it to a composting facility. You can't just throw it in your compost pile at home. So I've, I've just found that I have to be very detailed in my research and reading the fine print and really understanding what happens to that package at end of life? If it's a plastic that's compostable, can I actually throw that in the compost pile at home? Do I have to find a facility? And then glass. For me, I thought coming from California, that's where I'm from. Of course you recycle glass. You recycle everything. In fact, you get money back when you take your glass to the recycling facility. Now I live in Georgia and this is not so about Three years ago, maybe two or three years ago, our county got rid of glass recycling completely. And that wasn't the first time I heard of it. The first time I heard of that, I was in Kansas. I have a lot of family in Kansas and Missouri. And on the Missouri side of Kansas City, I went to this brewery and they had a whole tour and it was super fun. And I was like, okay, great. And they said that they started this glass recycling company because it didn't exist in the state. <laughs> Like what? So they got together with Owens Corning and a couple other major players and created a glass recycling company that now I think services eight states or more. Wow. Um, and I just 
flabbergasted. So, so yes, I think that that packaging can absolutely be sustainable. And I think it, the word sustainable can have its limitations or, you know, you have to just be really clear about what that means when you're talking about anything, but especially for packaging. Yeah. It's like saying eco-friendly or environmentally conscious, you know, um, it's, it's a broad spectrum and we all need to be aware of what it really means. So that's a great point. Thank you for bringing Mm -hmm. that up. I'm hoping that glass will continue to become more recyclable, that more people like that brewery will will step up. What was that brewery called? Do you remember? Oh, I was just looking them up the other day. Oh man, now I'm going to have to look. <laughs> if you think of it, let us know. But uh, I will. I will. That, that's really cool of them to step up. I know there were some students down in New Orleans who, who realized that glass wasn't recyclable, and they started their own business, and they've recycled two million pounds of glass this year. That's fascinating. Just awesome. That's a lot. Yeah, glass is tricky. That's another thing. I didn't realize how tricky glass is with the different colors. And if you need to separate it at the facility, the weight of it can also, you know, shift the sustainability aspect where plastic Mm -hmm. is a lot lighter. So then you're dealing with shipping, freight, carbon emissions from that truck. You know, it's all it's so complex. So it's like using the word natural, you know, the system is so complex that you have to just be really, really clear again on what you're even talking about. Like if I'm using paper that can be sustainable in theory, I can recycle that absolutely. But then how is the paper being sourced? Is it coming from, you know, endangered trees in something that's not even certified or permitted or that's not really that sustainable. So yeah, you just have to really look at the whole picture to really understand if packaging is actually sustainable. Totally agree. Uh, Great point. And I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about, so you're a sustainability project product manager for Target. Mm -hmm. Can you, can you speak about like what kinds of companies you work with and how, how you're changing their packaging to be more sustainable? A quick break for our sponsor this month. Now is the time to go beyond recycling. SmartSolve pioneers certified bio-based water-soluble packaging technologies that empower consumers and businesses to effortlessly reduce plastic waste. Our non-toxic materials quickly and completely disperse when combined with water and agitation, thus making them easily recyclable, biodegradable, and even zero-waste. If zero-waste packaging interests you, Please contact us today at info at smartsolve.com. Yeah, absolutely. So Tarquette is a flooring manufacturer. So so we've worked a lot with our suppliers and procurement, obviously, that's helping to source those suppliers and figuring out how we can have more recyclable packaging. Sometimes we're using wood pallets and things like that, that could be reused, you know, for a really long time or could be recycled at certain facilities. Sometimes we're using cardboard, you know, boxes to wrap things or whatever, and those are fully recyclable. So I would say 90%, if not more of our packaging is recyclable. The flooring is interesting though, because it's, you're such large volumes of the product. So it's not like a job. Are, you know, you're dealing with very large volumes, potentially 
let's say if you have 10,000 square feet of flooring, that's going to be a very different, you know, packaging where you might be able to stack tile on pallets and just ship it and then install. Yeah. So that's kind of with that. And then I've worked with other companies over the years as a consultant or just working within other companies. And with respect to packaging, one of the one of the, I think, important things when you're talking about corporations, when you're talking about global companies, are all those little things. And those little things are things like when you're welcomed into a company, you get a bag of stuff. Right. Um, your sales team gives customers or potential customers stuff all the time, little trinkets, little this, little that. And so even at Tarquette and other companies, a large focus for me has been, how do we make all those little things more sustainable? And a lot of times it's the product itself, but it's for sure the packaging. Like, do we need to purchase a, a bunch of backpacks that are all individually wrapped in plastic? Or can we find a vendor that just boxes them as a whole if we're giving them to like, you know, people within the company? Or if we're talking about even laptops, you know, companies are using thousands and probably tens of thousands of laptops every year. And so how sustainable is that packaging? Are we using something that's being coded? Can we just use something that's cardboard only so that we're not making it so that it's difficult to recycle? And also when you're thinking about consumables. So this has been a really big one, not as much now during COVID, but when I've worked for, for other companies or as a consultant specifically for facilities, this is a huge thing. Yeah. Like, big deal. you know, if coffee pods, the coffee <laughs> pods, <laughs> at least it's a little bit easier to recycle them now, but like, there are a lot of those coffee pods happening in a lot of offices around the world. And I've seen that not just in the U.S., but also when I travel to France, when I travel to the U.K., like those pods are everywhere. Yeah. And so thinking about that or like what your little creamer is coming in, can we do bulk instead or all the soaps? Can we do that in bulk and have a dispenser? Or is there something that we can do to work with catering companies that use more sustainable packaging for like a box that we're using? Yeah. It's a lot like things that I never thought about before getting into the work in the corporate space, but there are so many opportunities to be more sustainable, especially with packaging, that it's also really exciting. And that's changing yes. so much all the time. I love it. It's become it's become not only ex extremely popular, but obviously very necessary. And I like the, th the fact that you're thinking about even giveaway items for your customers or, or your clients' customers. That's a very important thing. Does each one need to be individually bagged or, you know, come in shrink wrap? It's it's. We have to think about that when we order things from a factory and try to order locally if we can, but not always possible. But sometimes the plastic's necessary. So we don't want it to, you know, we don't want to get rid of it if it's going to affect the quality of the product, mm -hmm. you know. So there's a, it's a, it's a fine line. It's a, there's tipping points in all of those decisions. But I like that you're thinking things through like that. Yeah. It's okay. complex, you know, and I like that. That's probably why I've stayed in sustainability so long. I loved puzzles as a kid. <laughs> that was my jam. <laughs> so I feel like it's this giant, 
you know, jigsaw puzzle and figuring out, okay, we changed this one thing, oh, but then that affects this thing over here. So we've got to figure it out again. And it's always, I don't know, it's always exciting, something new all the time. I think you're right. It can be, uh, I love that you do puzzles. That, that's so fun. And they have been become very popular these days mm-hmm. with uh, everybody staying at home. I think that's, uh, I heard there's been a resurgence of, of puzzles. So you, you also have another job. I don't know how many titles you have, but I, I couldn't keep track. So I'm just focusing on these three, but you're a, a consultant. Can you speak to that a little bit? Is it in sustainability as well? Yeah. So I work as a consultant within sustainability. I really love that. It's like you were talking about before, Corey, there's like something about having a client come to you with a problem that's really frustrating them. And it's just, uh, I just, I, or they don't know how to get started or they're stuck or don't know how to grow or like whatever that issue is. And then I get to help them figure out a way to overcome that. And that's super satisfying. (laughs) It's like, yes. Yeah. And sustainability. So I've worked with flooring companies, also people in like aerospace or really airport idea, other types like telecom, other types of companies, and just helping them get more sustainable. So for most of those, those have not been new programs. I also worked as a consultant within a consulting firm. So I was doing the internal program for that firm. And that program was at zero for a North America. And I built it up over three years and now they're doing it as a service and it's like grown a lot. So yeah. And it, it's really, people are often dealing with similar problems, even if it's a separate industry, you know, in theory, like I think people would think, oh, what happens in an airport doesn't have anything to do with what happens at a manufacturer. But a lot of the time, the problems are at the core, very similar of how do we get people to want to change? How do we get people to keep doing whatever we're asking them to do in this new environment? How do we motivate people? How do we track what we're doing? How do we set a target? Like, yes. how do we set a goal? How do you measure it? Right. How do you measure sustainability? That's the yeah. biggest, that's the biggest question a lot of people will ask. Yeah. Can you give uh, our audience any sustainable packaging tips? Anything that's like top of mind that you would like a go-to? This is my, this is my thing that's worked several times. Anything like that? So I have a couple of things. I really love the jars that I have now. So just that's been so satisfying for me. <laughs> so, so satisfying. So glass jars with a glass metal lid. With a metal lid. Um, and look out for that. I feel like a lot of the quote unquote sustainable brands that I'll see and especially the big box stores, I will not name them, but they're sustainable, but then they're using like plastic all the time and you can recycle plastic. Yes, but it's also can be very damaging to the environment. So I like when I see people using different kinds of packaging that's sustainable and maybe even more so where you can keep reusing it without the product degrading. Like glass is one of those things. Metal, depending on what it is, can be one of those things as well. So I like those. I would say also another thing is when you're thinking about sustainable packaging, look for what things are, uh, make sure you're looking at paint and ink. 
because those are two things that I was not really thinking about a lot of the time. But when it comes to glass, you have to be aware of what's being printed on it or what is being painted on it. And the same for metal, which is going to change how sustainable it is at the end of, and if those dyes or paints, what they're in, what they're made out of. And sometimes it's really hard to know because like my lids, if I got them painted, I might not be able to find out what all was in that paint, even if I'm talking to the supplier. So yeah, just being aware, reading the small prints. I love glass. (laughs) So that's that's always my go-to, even though it's heavy, I get it. But I I just love how it looks and I love the feel of it. And I just, I will probably always choose glass when I can. I totally agree. I've got... Oh, I've got Owens, Illinois on the schedule for for this podcast. And I'm so excited to interview them about their their products. So Melanie, thank you so much for your time. Can you speak? Tell us what's the best way for people to get a hold of you and your and your companies? Sure. Thanks. So people can either check out my website. That's www.melanielarkins, M-E-L-A-N-I-E-L-A-R-K-I-N-S.com. Or you can find me on Instagram. I'm at melanie.e.larkins. Or you can, you know, I'm on Clubhouse. If you're ever on Clubhouse, same handle, Melanie E. Larkins. Yeah, just I'm around. So my DMs are always open. If you want to drop a line or have questions or just want to connect, I'm happy to do that all the time. Great. And I'd like to thank our sponsor, Landsberg Aurora, for their continued support. And to the listeners, please take the time to review this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you again, Melanie. I appreciate it. Thanks, Corey. This episode is sponsored by Specrite, the first purpose-built platform for specification management. So much has changed when it comes to packaging, and there's a new book to help you stay ahead of the curve. The Evolution of Products and Packaging, written by longtime packaging executive Mr. Matthew Wright, helps you unpack industry trends and explains how you can use data to drive packaging innovation and sustainability. Download your free copy today at specright.com backslash book. That's S-P-E-C-R-I-G-H-T dot com backslash book.